So as Lisa mentioned, we are finishing up our, our series today called Chain Reaction, Living the Great Commission. Now, if you're not a church person, he's like, what's the Great Commission? Well, the Great Commission is just what Lisa just read. And it's not called the Great Commission. Well, I shouldn't say Jesus didn't call it the Great Commission. That's something that we kind of put in there to call it something great. But Jesus didn't stand up there and says, I will now give thee, verily, verily, the Great Commission. And then he says all this stuff about making disciples. And, uh, but that's how Matthew closes his gospel. And it's, it's really cool. If I was writing like the gospel of, of Chip, I probably would have had him like do a bow. And then maybe there would be like, you know, some cursive E font, like at the end of A Few Good Men, like the end, or, uh, you know, mic drop, or something like that. You know, so it's like, it's like how Matthew sort of just kind of closes his, his story of Jesus. And it's, it's a grand finale for sure. Um, Today we're going to look at what a disciple is, and I thought that would be helpful because, you know, if that's our command is to go and make disciples, well, what, what does that mean? And we're going to see later that Jesus defines what a disciple is, and he does it in a very simple and uh, concrete um, way. So more on later. I thought today we'd start off with a test, because don't you all like tests? Pop quiz hot shot. <laughs> Pop quiz hot shot. The answer is shoot the hostage. Okay, uh, we're going to actually play a game, because that, that's more fun than tests, right? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to have Dan, our media guy, he's going to put a logo on the screen that corresponds to a corporation. So when you figure out what the corporation is, just shout it out, okay? So the first one? Apple. You didn't have to know that. I mean, you just look at it, what that is, like, that's an apple, right? Some, some logos are so good that they uh, don't need any explanation. They don't need any writing underneath it. Okay, how about the next one? Coca-Cola, yes, how could 1.9 billion Cokes a day be wrong? Uh, next one? Golden Arches, right? Uh, next one? Oh, advertising is working on you guys, good job. These next four are a little, little tougher. Go to the next one, Dan. Chevron, I mean, that's another one, like, okay, I know what a Chevron is, so that's where you get gasoline. Uh, next one? No, it's not Prince. It's not the artist formerly known as Prince. Does anyone know what this is? Shout this out. All right, I'm going to tell you what it is, because I used to drive one of these. It's a Volvo. Do you know what you had a hard time with this? Seriously, when I drive a Volvo, when I used to drive a Volvo, I would kind of like look at all the Volvos around. I'm like, cool, you know, hey, I see you driving that Volvo. You're cool. There has never once been a Volvo commercial during an NFL game or any sporting event for that matter. They're only advertised on HGTV and Hallmark Channel. That's, that's a fact. I'm just not saying, I'm just saying. All right, next one. Oh, who's from the West Coast here? Yes. In and Out Burger. If you don't know what that is, you are missing out. It's a Christian restaurant, too, so if you get the, uh, the soft drinks on the bottom, there's like Bible messages to make you feel really good about eating In-N-Out Burger, but it's a glorious, glorious thing. Uh, how about this one? North Face. Um, I got a North Face wool uh, pullover this week, and I got it at a thrift store, and it was marked down from whenever someone bought it for like $90, and uh, it was marked down to $2.96, so I snatched it up. I was going to wear it today, but here's why I didn't. Uh, it was really, really hot on stage with the lights and stuff like that, so you don't want to see me in wool and beads of sweat beating down. But the other thing about this wool is that it doesn't have the big North Face logo on there, so I can't advertise to all the people, like, these are all the cool adventures I've been on. 
It's just like a little small little North Face thing, and it kind of, it's just kind of a drag, so I'm probably going to give it away. <laughs> um, this might be the hardest one of all. Yeah, it's Christianity, right? Duh. I mean, it's on jewelry that we wear. It's on tattoos. It's on almost every church building across the nation. Um, you know, so it means something, right? If you have that on your Facebook uh, profile, that means that you're a Christian, right? Uh, what about this one right here? Yeah, Christianity, <laughs> same thing. It's like maybe you've seen this on a bumper. Uh, back in the day when I, um, before the internet, if you wanted to find a plumber, right, you would go through the yellow pages. These were like a phone book of, of people, and so like I'm looking for a plumber. I don't know which one to pick because there's like 150 of them. I'll pick the guy that has that on his ad because... He's probably like a Christian dude. I found out really early, those guys will just rip you off just like the rest of them. So, you know, I'm not saying that's the case with them, but, you know, what, what do these things, like, mean, you know? If we were to take everyone and go into groups of, like, five, and I asked you, okay, tell the group what a Christian is. How would you define Christian? You're going to get five different answers. You know, if I asked you what Apple does, I mean, well, yeah, they're a computer company. They make iPhones and iPods and things like that. Um, you know, Volvo, it's a, it's a car company. But, you know, Christian, we're going to get all sorts of, of different answers. And um, I think that's what makes it difficult is that if someone were to ask you just off the street, I don't know if anyone would ever ask you this off the street, but are you a Christian? What would you, what would you answer? Uh, you might answer almost definitely yes. Or, eh, yeah, I am, but let me kind of clarify what that means. You might say, but I don't really know, or maybe, sometimes. Uh, maybe some of you would say, no way, and I hate everything that's labeled Christian. Um, the thought of it makes me ill. I've known Christians, and nothing that I want to be. And here's what our modern United States definition of a Christian is. First, hypocritical. Republican, homophobic, anti-abortion, and pro-gun. For right or wrong, that's, that's kind of how Christians are defined in this country. And you might be a Christian and look at that list and like, well, that, that's not me. I mean, maybe like two out of three of those, yeah, possibly. You know, but that, that doesn't define who I am as a, as a Christ follower. I mean, what makes a person a Christian? Is it because you said a prayer as a kid? Is it because you went to a confirmation class when you were a teenager and in your particular denomination they said, okay, now you are a, a Christian because you went through a confirmation class? Um, maybe it's because you go to a Christian church. You know, this church is called Velocity Church, but we actually have a middle name. I don't know if you knew that. It's Velocity Christian Church. So, in other words, I, I'm a Christian because I go to a Christian church, which means that I don't go to a mosque or I don't go to, like, a synagogue. So, I guess I'm in the club, right? I mean, is that what a, a Christian is? The good news for us is that Christian is not defined anywhere in the Bible. It's not defined. It's actually only mentioned three times. Uh, one of the times is found in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. That word disciples, that's what people who were following Jesus called themselves. 
they were calling themselves disciples, and the people of Antioch called these people Christians, which actually meant little Christ. It was actually a derogatory ter- term for people that followed this, this weird dude, Jesus, this cult, this guy who claimed he had risen from the dead, and these followers that claimed that he had risen from the dead. Uh, so Christians didn't call themselves Christians. Uh, that came later. It's kind of one of those things where... Um, you know, you call someone something, and it's like deadheads, but then after a while, it kind of becomes something like a badge of honor. Like, for me, growing up, uh, the worst thing to be called was a nerd. That would be, like, the worst thing. If you hung out with nerds, you were, like, the dregs of society. But now, it's kind of like a cool thing, right? Like, if you're a computer nerd, that means, you're like, you're really, really smart. I'm a guitar nerd. I mean, I love guitar stuff, and I'm like, that's, that's cool, right? So, that's kind of what Christians did. They were called Christians, but then they kind of adopted that. Uh, but they called themselves disciples. And so here is the terrifying and disturbing question that we have to wrestle with. Are you a Christian or are you a disciple? Maybe you've thought that they were the same thing. Uh, we're going to find out in a second that they are not. Are you a Christian or are you a disciple? You know, my fear is that if you just call yourself a Christian, you're not really doing anything to distinguish yourself from the world. You're just another group, another club, something that, you know, you share some beliefs with some people or something like that, but is there anything that distinguishes you? And maybe you're just going to go through this world kind of camouflaged. I don't know if you've ever seen the, this guy. His name is Lou Bolin, and he is a Chinese protester called the Invisible Man. And what he does is he goes around the world in certain landscapes and has people paint him into certain landscapes as a way to protest whatever he's protesting. I mean, but some of these pictures are just unreal. So he'll stand there still for hours and, and get painted and just kind of blend in to his environment. And some are really easy to pick out than others. There's one uh, there, like, it, it took me a while to kind of like, where is that guy? Um, what we don't want to be is the invisible man or visible woman just saying, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Well, what does that mean? Are you just camouflaged to the, the rest of society? Or is there something that, that marks us as follow, followers of Christ that makes us uh, different. Um, in the 13th chapter of John, Jesus is going to define once and for all what a follower of his entails, and he'll define it with such clarity and such simplicity. You know, coincidentally, this is um, the week of, of Passover, this is Palm Sunday, and Christians and disciples all throughout the world are going to spend this week celebrating and thinking about what Jesus did for us on the cross and through his resurrection and everything leading up to that. And this is actually the setting of what's happening in John 13, that, that there's this Passover meal. It's that a couple of days before Jesus is going to be um, resurrected, but it's the, his last night on earth. And so he's thinking, this is going to be some important stuff I'm going to share. So it's pretty cool that this is the backdrop of our, our scripture today. John 13, 1 through 5 reads this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So... I'm just going to stop right there. Think about if I was writing the Bible. All right, I'm Jesus, right? And I, this is my last night on earth. I have realized that all power and authority has been given to me. 
and I know that I'm returning to the Father. So, so what's the most logical thing that you or I would do? So, this is how it should read, right? So, climax of the story, he gathers his disciples, and they get swords, and they, they start a rebellion, or there's, there's a plan, or he rips off his you know, shirt, and there's like Superman logo underneath that, and he flies around, and he overthrows the government. I mean, something dramatic, right? Well, he does something dramatic, all right. So, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Huh? That's what he did, realizing that all authority had been given to him, that he was returning to the Father. It was his last night on earth. He doesn't start a rebellion, doesn't overthrow the government. He gets up in front of his friends, takes off his robe, stands there naked in front of them, grabs a towel, wraps it around his waist, goes and washes his disciples' feet, and then takes off that towel and dries them. Now, there is no modern equivalent of a foot washer. I, I, I tried, I thought, just what, what would there be? Because we don't wash feet. It's just something we, we do, but that was something very prevalent, prevalent in their culture. And it was, just think of the lowest of the lowest of the lowest of the lowest dirty micro job. You know, that's, that's what a foot washer was. I mean, it might be like a toilet scrubber, but not really, because we all do that, right? We all, but we all put, you know, bleach, and we get gloves on, so it's, it's not that bad. But um, this was like the lowest, lowest thing. So Jesus is setting, he's giving us a visual picture, and he goes on to explain what that was. Uh, John 13, verse 14 says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. See, this is what a disciple is. A disciple is a follower, it's a, a learner, it's a, a copycat, an imitator. That's what a disciple is. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to do likewise. Um, I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple of about 10 people who are, let's just call them health nuts. If you've been kind of following our Fit in 50 Days or you've been hanging around me for the last year, you know that this has kind of been a passion area of mine. And um, I've been kind of on a quest to, to get healthy. And a couple things I've realized. One, I'm really no fun to be around anymore. I'm serious. I go to people's like gel group or parties or wherever there's food, I'm like the killjoy. And it's not because I, I don't cast any judgment on anything. I don't care what you eat. I really don't. But for some reason, there's like looks of shame and all chips here, you know. So I'm like no fun to be around anymore. So that's the, the bad news of that is. But but here's the thing is, like, I've just been a disciple of some people, and, here's, and I haven't really said, okay, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn from these people. But what I've done is I've interviewed, like, a like hundred people this year. And what I do is I look for people that are healthy and not sick, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, tell me. <laughs> what? I'm just going to do what you do. I'll have what she's having, right? It's kind of one of those, like, mentalities of, and there's, like, probably, like, five or so people that some I've met, some I even haven't, but whatever they do... I'm just doing. So I don't have like an original thought about health. It's all just copycat imitation of what people have done. And that's what a disciple is. It's a, it's a follower. It's an imitator. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. Uh, John 13, 34 to 35 reads this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must also love one another. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the Great Commission right there, folks. That the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that's that terrifying, disturbing question. Are you a Christian? You know, do you, are you a Christian because you go to a, a church or you follow some laws or a morality code? Is that what makes you a, a Christian? Or are you a disciple? A disciple that is defined by loving one another. You see how simple that is? I mean, it's hard to do, but Jesus, who being in very nature God, he washes disciples' feet. He washes their feet and gives us all an example of saying, while I am greater than all of you, I'm making myself lesser than all of you and serving you and loving you, which would ultimately be expressed through the cross and the resurrection a couple days later. So that's a pretty terrifying question for us. You got to think of it like, like breakfast, okay? You've got some breakfast of some eggs and some bacon, all right? The, the chicken made a contribution, the pig, total commitment, all right? So are you a chicken or a pig? You want to want to, in church, want to confess to, yeah, I'm a pig. I mean, but think about this. A Christian is like a chicken, you know? Are you making a contribution to society, just a little here and there? Um, do you follow some morality code? Or are you a, like a pig? Are you a disciple? Are you a, at all costs, I am following Jesus, imitating him, and making it my life goal to love one another and consider others better than myself? Um, this coming Saturday, one of Velocity's own, Laura Ludlow, you didn't know I was going to put a picture of you on the screen, though. Laura Ludlow is getting married, so let's give it up for her. <laughs> She loves, she loves attention on her, so she is like just sinking in her seat right now. But Laura Ludlow and uh, Caleb Widrick are getting married, and um, it's just really cool for Laura. I mean, she's kind of grown up in this church, and so first of all, it makes us, we've been around a little bit longer, feel very old, but uh, we're just celebrating with, with her and, and Caleb as they, they tie the knot. So I was meeting with them a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about, you know, what are some things that you'd like in your, your wedding ceremony, and they said, oh, well, we'd love to have 1 Corinthians 13 read. Big shocker, right? Because every wedding I think I've ever been to, even ones that aren't Christian weddings, it seems like 1 Corinthians 13 is always read. And even if you're not in church, you probably know exactly what that is. That's the love chapter, right? It defines what love is. And so I'm going to read that for us right now. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And we all go to weddings and we're like, hmm, good definition of love. We should all strive for that. Uh, here's what I'd like you to do. If you have like a smartphone or maybe pull out your programs, grab a little velocity pen. And I want you to do a little test, another test, right? Um, what I want you to do is I'm going to read through that again. Instead of saying love, I'm just going to put I in there. And what I want you to do is just like, if that corresponds to you, just make a little check. This is only for you, so just, you know, see how you do. So, all right, here we go. This is from the book of First Chip. Uh, here we go. I am patient. I didn't see anyone marking. <laughs> what? You should just be able to check that off, because, oh, yeah, we're, 
I'm, I'm nothing but patient all the time. How many of us have like failed so far? <laughs> it gets worse, trust me. I am patient. I am kind. I don't envy. I don't boast. I'm not proud. I don't dishonor others. I'm not self-seeking. I'm not easily angered, and I never keep a record of wrongs. Oh, this describes me to a T. I'm not easily angered. I don't fly off the handle at just the littlest thing. I keep no record of your wrongs. I never bring up the way that you messed up to me. You know, I just forgive right and left. How y'all doing? You doing check mark after check mark? Uh, how about this? I don't delight in evil, but rejoice with the truth. Oh, that is so me. I hate sin. I just love following God and all of his commands. I just run to everything that's true and just shun sin all the days of my life. I always protect, always trust, always hope, always persevere. I never fail. Yeah. How'd y'all do? If you're like me, you didn't do a lot of check marks. Maybe not any. And I think that's the point, is because you and I, we can't love like that. You can try. You can try to kind of gut it out. You can try to be less angry. You know, there's some tactics you can use to be less angry, or you can do some things to try to be more loving. I want to be more patient. You ever try to do that? I'm going to try to keep no record of wrongs. It's really hard to do, especially when Satan keeps bringing those things back up to you, right? I'm going to insert God instead of I, instead of love. It reads like this. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. God does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, and he keeps no record of your wrongs. Love that. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. That's the kind of love that God loves you and I with. That's the kind of love that God is invited to come and live inside of us. Because you and I don't have the capability or the willpower to love people the way that he's called us to love one another. But that's the whole idea, is that God can live inside of us and live his life in and through us so that we can love one another, so that we can share with the world about Jesus. It's not just about an evangelism strategy. It's about loving one another so that the world may know that we are his disciples. So here's just a quick little list of uh, love, do's, and don'ts. Okay, just some practical applications of this. Uh, number one, don't get on social media and go on political rants. Don't rant on Facebook. Don't rant on Twitter um, about how much you love or how much you hate the political climate. And if I feel like I'm just like pointing at you, we've all done this. I've done this, so, so no judgment there. But I don't know about you, I've never converted anyone on social media to my political ways. Um, all I've done is just kind of annoy everyone. And the hard truth is we will never draw anyone closer to Jesus by how we sass on social media about what we believe politically. Um, frankly, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it from, from anyone that goes to Velocity Church. Don't want to see it anymore. So can we be a church that's a little different? Can we be a church that expresses not just how we feel, but, you know, hey, how can I express love towards another? And if you can use social media to do that, I'd say go for it. Um, uh, two, 
uh, do make it your mission to find creative ways to show acts of kindness to others. Uh, for instance, when you come here to church, I mean, there's things that are going to be for you, and that's cool. You know, maybe there's songs that you like, or maybe there's preaching that you like. That's cool. Maybe there's friends that you see. But make it your mission when you come here to church to find people that could use a dose of your love. You know, and it doesn't have to be in this room either. I mean, hopefully you're doing that as you leave this place as well. Like, my mission in life is to find ways that I can love one another. I can fulfill that great commission doing that. Rob and I were at a conference a couple weeks ago, and there was about 70 or so pastors there. And this guy I'd never met comes and sits down at the table that Rob and I were sitting at. And he says, I just want you to know that I'm a, a secret church shopper. So he actually works for this organization that, that kind of does secret shopping like any other business or corporation has. And he said this, he says, um, I went to Velocity Church and of all the churches I've ever visited, yours was the most friendly and the most inviting and the most warm. And Rob and I were like, that is awesome. We weren't shocked. You know? <laughs> we're like, duh, of course, we have the most friendly, uh, welcoming people on earth. You know? But so, bravo, you guys. You guys are doing a great job on that. But yeah, but that makes a huge difference, okay? I mean, it's just like that's what defines us as disciples, how we love one another. And so it seems like you guys are doing an awesome job, so keep that up. Uh, three, don't hold a grudge. Don't hold a grudge. You know, the Bible tells us to forgive one another just as Christ forgave you. When you understand that Christ forgave us all our sins, it's hard to not forgive anyone. Again, that's not something that you and I can do in the energy of our own flesh, but it's something that Christ can, through his resurrected life inside of us, to not hold grudges, to keep no record of wrongs, to forgive people. Um, October 2nd, 2006, a guy by the name of Charlie Rogers walked into a Amish one-room schoolhouse and, and shot 10 little girls. Tied them up, shot 10, um, killed five of them before turning the gun on himself. Uh, Charlie and his wife Marie had, had four kids, but during their... Um, I think when they were dating, they, they had lost one, or early on in their marriage, they lost one to a, to a miscarriage, and, and Charlie Rogers always blamed God for that. And he thought the way to sort of get back at God was to, uh, to kill kids. And, um, you know, when, when, a, when a shooting like this happens, I mean, it's really easy for us, no matter where we stand politically, to, to go on rants and to say, well, here's the reason why or the reason not why. Um, but I think something that's ubiquitous for all of us is that we're always shocked and horrified and, and broken when, um, when kids die at the hand of a, uh, a gunman. Uh, the morning after the shooting, um, an Amish caravan of buggies shows up at Marie Roberts' door. Uh, several men get out, uh, knock on the door, and they want to speak to her. And they remove their hats, and before Marie could apologize for what her husband had done, one of the men who, whose two daughters had been shot said, uh, you don't know us, uh, we don't know you. And my wife and I went to, went to bed last night and cried ourselves to sleep. And we woke up in the morning and we realized that we had someone to, to hold on to, that not everything was, was taken from us. And we thought of you, Marie, and we thought that you don't have someone like that. Someone was taken from you as well to love you and support you as you grieve. And um, 
They said that we're here today to ask if we can pay for your husband's funeral. And if there's any cost associated with, with raising your four kids, we want as a community to, to take that on. And they embraced, and they cried, and, uh, and the world looks on at that and says, that's weird, <laughs> really strange. Um, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you, you know that's not weird. You know that's not strange. You know, disciples of Jesus, we, we get it. We understand that, that Jesus loves us perfectly, accepts us perfectly, and has forgiven us of every sin that we ever have or ever will or ever are committing. And, and with God's power living in through us, um, we can forgive others too, no matter how big or how little they, they've hurt us. Uh, last one. Do make a public declaration of your faith. Um, next week uh, during Easter... We've had a couple people that said, uh, I want to be baptized. And so we're going to have our, our tank set up, and a couple people are going to be baptized. And if you've never done that, I just want to encourage you to, to do that. That could be the starting place of saying, uh, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be a disciple of you. I want to be an imitator of you. And, and that's where it begins, where you um, have that visual representation of an inner reality that's going on in your, in your life. And so... Man, I can't encourage you enough to, uh, to get baptized and to do it on Easter Sunday. I mean, what could be cooler than that? So uh, if that's your heart's desire, uh, come talk to me. Come talk to Rob. We would just um, like more than nothing to help guide you through that process. So um, those are the challenges for us as we seek to love one another. Let's go ahead and uh, pray together. Uh, Lord, you really clarified and, and simplified the process of what it means to follow you. Uh, God, and while it's simple, uh, it's so incredibly difficult for us because we're, we're selfish. We think about us more than anybody else. Uh, and it's terribly hard for us to, to go through the world to consider others better than ourselves. And we know that we can't do that in the energy of our own flesh, God, that you have to be the one to uh, live in and through us to accomplish your will through us. So we're asking for, for that to happen. We ask that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.